Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 115 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible question, is life fair? And today's big Bible answer, no, it's not. So happy Wednesday, friends. I have refused for many years to call Wednesday hump day as a matter of principle, and I still refuse, so don't hold your breath hoping for me to wish you ever a happy hump day at some point. It won't happen unless and until I have been kidnapped and forced to do the podcast against my will, at which point I will signal my need for rescue by uttering that greeting. Hopefully we won't have to cross that bridge at any time in the future, but this podcast has many enemies, so you never know. Today's Bible readings include Leviticus chapter 26, Ecclesiastes 9, Psalms 33, and Titus chapter 1. As we've mentioned before, Ecclesiastes is not the happiest of Bible books. I'm not sure that if I was in a deep and dark funk and my soul was downcast and I was desperate for an encouraging pick-me-up, that I would say, you know what I need to do? I need to go read Ecclesiastes. That said, there is indeed wisdom to be found here, and the whole thrust of the book is found in its finale, so let's hold off on being too harsh until we get there. One of the profound observations that Solomon is going to share with us today, though, is that life simply isn't fair, and he's honestly going to share that truth with us in a bunch of different and kind of soul-crushing ways. Now, you might be saying, hey, 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 I don't think I'm up for much of a soul-crushing episode of any podcast right now, much less a Bible podcast, what with a virus stalking the lands like an invisible and scary stalky thing, and you'd be right. And that's why this is not going to be a soul-crushing episode, but honestly, a soul-lifting episode. So just hang on, hang on. It gets really, really good in our favor. But let's read Ecclesiastes 9 and then come back and discuss whether or not life is fair. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1, in the Christian Standard Bible. Indeed, I took all this to heart and explained it all. The righteous, the wise, and their works are in God's hands. People don't know whether to expect love or hate. Everything lies ahead of them. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice. As it is for the good, so also it is for the sinner. As it is for the one who takes an oath, so also for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil, and madness is in the heart their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. But there is hope for whoever is joined with all the living, since a live dog is better than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead don't know anything. There is no longer a reward for them because the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their envy have already disappeared, and there is no longer a portion for them in all that is done under the sun. So go eat your bread with pleasure and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and never let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life, which has been given to you under the sun all your fleeting days. For that is your portion in life and your in your struggle under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength, because there's no work, planning, knowledge, or wisdom in shale where you are going. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or bread to the wise, or riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful. 
Rather, time and chance happen to all of them. For certainly no one knows his time. Like fish caught in a cruel net or like birds caught in a trap, so people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. I have observed that this is also wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with a few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, Wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. The calm words of the wise are heeded more than the shouts of a ruler over fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much good. Okay, well, that was a bit of a bummer. But hold on for a few more minutes, because good news is coming. Not yet, but it's coming. But first, let's discuss the bad news we've just read. Here's the thing. If you've been paying attention, Solomon has just told us, and has been telling us, all the different ways that life is not fair at all. Consider verse 2. Solomon says that death awaits all, the virtuous and the sinner, the fool and the wise. That's unfair. He says everyone is, everything is the same for everyone. There's one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice, etc., etc. One fate for everybody. Verse 11, the best don't always win, though it would be fair for them to do so. He says, I saw under the sun that the race is not always to the swift or the battle to the strong or bread to the wise etc., etc. Again, unfair. Verse 15, poor heroes who are wise are completely forgotten because they're poor. And look, that's just in chapter 9. If you've been kind of paying attention as we've been reading through Ecclesiastes, Solomon has already told us like a lot of times about all these unfair things that he's seen under the sun and how futile they are. For instance, Ecclesiastes 8.14, there is a futility that is done on the earth There are righteous people who get what the actions of the wicked deserve, and there are wicked people who get what the actions of the righteous deserve. Yeah, that still happens. And Solomon says, I say this too is futile. Absolutely, it's terribly futile. What about 7.15? In my futile life, I have seen everything. Someone righteous perishes in spite of his righteousness, and someone wicked lives long in spite of his evil. Or chapter 6, verse 2. God gives a person riches, wealth, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all he desires for himself, but God does not allow him to enjoy them. Instead, a stranger will enjoy them. Yeah, that's a bummer. Or how about chapter 3, verses 19 through 22? For the fate of the children of Adam and the fate of animals is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. They all have the same breath. People have no advantage over animals since everything is futile. All are going to the same place. All come from dust and all return to the dust. Who knows if the spirits of the children of Adam go upward and the spirits of animals go downward to the earth. I have seen that there's nothing better than for a person to enjoy his activities because that's his reward. For who can enable him to see what will happen after he dies? So, are you depressed yet? (laughs) Yeah, that's some pretty heavy stuff. Now, here's the thing. People often think Christians are Pollyannas or sunshine pumpers. In other words, people given to irrational and excessive optimism. And I'm honestly not sure you can really read the Bible, you know, like we're doing on a daily basis, Old or New Testament, and come away thinking the Bible is anything but genuine, authentic, truthful, and honestly kind of gritty. The thing is, 
the Bible doesn't whitewash things and, you know, try to spruce it up and make it look awesome. I'll admit, many preachers do. Many, maybe many more televangelists do. Some moms and dads do. Some Sunday school teachers do. But the Bible doesn't really do that. Solomon shows us today that life is not fair. Those who try hardest don't always win. Some wonderful people die young and some horrible people live a long and materially blessed life. Sometimes the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. Who can understand such things? But the real thing, the big thing that Solomon keeps coming back to is death. In his understanding, death comes for all and the rich, wise, virtuous, humble are no better off than the wicked, foolish, haughty, or even animals from what he can tell. And that's the important pivot point for us. As far as Solomon knew, death was the same for all. Now, there are some hints that he knew the righteous would be ultimately rewarded and the wicked ultimately punished, but it's like he's peering through the fog or something and he can't really see clearly at all. His windshield wipers aren't moving the rain away. He's squinting and he's just not seeing clearly enough and he's making some conclusions from his observations, but despite all of his wisdom and learning, He's utterly perplexed. Now, I wonder how much of this is due to his uh, life situation at the time. Ecclesiastes was probably written towards the end of Solomon's life, not the beginning. And 1 Kings 11.4 tells us that when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Now, does that mean that uh, he was overly pessimistic and had a difficult time understanding some of the truths of God that were already revealed in the Word about eternal life and that sort of thing? Uh, Very possibly, probably, in fact. But the other things that made the afterlife foggy for Solomon was the fact that God had not revealed it all to Old Testament believers as fully as Jesus does to New Testament believers. And when Jesus comes on the scene, we learn just precisely how unfair things are, especially eternal things. One of the greatest little summations of the kind of unfairness I'm talking about is found in Luke 22, 37, where it says, For I tell you, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, For I tell you, What is written must be fulfilled in me, and he was counted among the lawless. Yes, what is written about me is coming to its fulfillment. So here it is, friends. This is the absolute pinnacle of unfairness. Jesus, the perfect God-man, was counted as a rebel, as a sinner, as a criminal that deserved the worst punishment of all, crucifixion. He knew no sin. He was perfect in his life, his attitude, his thoughts, etc., But he suffered the penalty for all of our sins, and there has never been something so unfair happen before or since, and there never will be again. Listen to all these passages that talk about this sort of unfairness. Romans 4.25, he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. 1 Corinthians 15.3, Paul says, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Colossians 2.14, 
He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. John 6.40, For this is the will of my Father, says Jesus, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Man, if only Solomon could look upon this most unfair of all things— I'm quite sure it would completely erase his lamenting and cause him to joyfully exult in the divine unfairness of it all, the sacrifice of the perfect Jesus for his most imperfect sheep. Solomon was absolutely right that life was and is unfair, but he just misunderstood the direction that the river unfair flowed. It does not flow against us, brothers and sisters, but for us in every way possible. Thanks be to Jesus the Messiah for making our lives not fair, but soaked with absolute and utter grace. I want to close by asking you to meditate with me on this beautiful and glorious bit of unfairness and rejoice that you see more clearly the unfairness of the world than the wisest man of ancient days. This is Isaiah 53, 3-6. Jesus, talking about him, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Amen, and praise the Lord for that unfairness. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Do not make worthless idols for yourselves. Set up a carved image or sacred pillar for yourselves, or place a sculpted stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my Sabbaths and revere my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my statutes and care faithfully observe my commands, I will give you rain at the right time, and the land will yield its produce, and the trees of the field will bear their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until sowing time. You will have plenty of food to eat and live securely in your land. I will give peace to the land, and you will lie down with nothing to frighten you. I will remove dangerous animals from the land, and no sword will pass through your land. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will pursue a hundred, and a hundred of you will pursue ten thousand. Your enemies will fall before you with the sword. I will turn to you, make you fruitful, and multiply you, and confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old grain of the previous year and will clear out the old to make room for the new. I will place my residence among you and I will not reject you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt so that you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to live in freedom. But if you do not obey me and observe all these commands, if you reject my statutes and despise my ordinances and do not observe all my commands and break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will bring terror on you, wasting disease and fever that will cause your eyes to fail and your life to ebb away. You will sow your seed in vain because your enemies will eat it. I will turn against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies." 
Those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee even though no one is pursuing you. But if after these things you will not obey me, I will proceed to discipline you seven times for your sins. I will break down your strong pride. I will make your sky like iron and your land like bronze, and your strength will be used up for nothing. Your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not bear their fruit. If you act with hostility towards me and are unwilling to obey me, I will multiply your plague seven times for your sins. I will send wild animals against you that will deprive you of your children, ravage your livestock, and reduce your numbers until your roads are deserted. If in spite of these things you do not accept my discipline but act with hostility towards me, then I will act with hostility towards you. I will strike you seven times for your sins. I will bring a sword against you to execute the vengeance of the covenant. Though you withdraw into your cities, I will send a pestilence among you, and you will be delivered in enemy hands. When I cut off your supply of bread, ten women will bake your bread in a single oven and ration out your bread by weight so that you will not eat but not be satisfied. And if in spite of this you do not obey me but act with hostility towards me, I will act with furious hostility towards you. I will also discipline you seven times for your sins. You will eat the flesh of your sons. You will eat the flesh of your daughters. I will destroy your high places, cut down your shrines, and heap your lifeless bodies on the lifeless bodies of your idols. I will reject you. I will reduce your cities to ruins and devastate your sanctuaries. I will not smell the pleasing aroma of your sacrifices. I also will devastate the land so that your enemies who come to live there will be appalled by it. But I will scatter you among the nations, and I will draw a sword to chase after you, so your land will become desolate, and your cities will become ruins. Then the land will make up for its Sabbath years during the time it lies desolate, while you are in the land of your enemies. At that time the land will rest and make up for its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it will have the rest it did not have during your Sabbaths when you lived there. I will put anxiety in the hearts of those of you who survive in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a wind-driven leaf will put them to flight, and they will flee as one flees from a sword and fall, though no one is pursuing them. They will stumble over one another as if fleeing from a sword, though no one is pursuing them. You will not be able to stand against your enemies. You will perish among the nations. The land of your enemies will devour you. Those who survive in the lands of your enemies will waste away because of their iniquity. They will also waste away because of their ancestors' iniquities along with theirs. But when they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their ancestors, their unfaithfulness that they practiced against me and how they acted with hostility towards me and I acted with hostility towards them, and brought them into the land of their enemies. And when their uncircumcised hearts are humbled, and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. I will also remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. For the land abandoned by them will make up for its Sabbaths by lying desolate without the people, while they make amends for their iniquity, because they rejected my ordinances and abhorred my statutes." Yet in spite of this, while they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject or abhor them so as to destroy them and break my covenant with them, since I am the Lord their God. For their sake I will remember the covenant with their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes, ordinances, and laws the Lord established between himself 
and the Israelites through Moses on Mount Sinai. Psalm 33 verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with a lyre. Make music to him with a ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song to him. Play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is trustworthy. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. The heavens were made by the word of the Lord, and all the stars by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into a heap. He puts the depths into storehouses. Let the whole earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came into being. He commanded, and it came into existence. The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thwarts the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen to be his own possession. The Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He forms the hearts of them all. He considers all their works. A king is not saved by a large army. A warrior will not be rescued by great strength. The horse is a false hope for safety. It provides no escape by its great power. But look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. We wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield. For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. May your faithful love rest on us, Lord, for we put our hope in you. Titus chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Christ Jesus, for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time he was re- he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and, as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, Not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. For there are many rebellious people, full of empty talk and deception, especially those from the circumcision party. It is necessary to silence them. They are ruining entire households by teaching what they shouldn't in order to get money dishonestly. One of their very own prophets said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, rebuke them sharply, so that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commands of people who reject the truth. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. And that is the word of the Lord, my dear friends. May it encourage you and edify you. May you rejoice today that even though you and I are not worthy, we benefit from the divine mercy and grace and unfairness of God because the river of unfairness flows in our favor, not against us. Bless his name. God bless you. Godspeed.